Hey, again, good to see you all. And uh, yeah, and all the little kids who are here today. Um, yeah, we're just good to see everyone. We've been journeying through the book of John uh, since 2021 started. And so we're going to continue actually to look at the book of John uh, both uh, tonight and then on Sunday morning. And then after I speak for a little bit, we're going to receive communion. Ethan, our youth director, is going to be passing that around. Uh, and then we'll go out of here singing one more song. Oh, just join me in a word of prayer, though. God, thank you that you paid the price we could not pay so that we could be adopted into your family, we could be made right. Jesus, I just pray for all those who are, are here. Some are in high places, some are grieving, some are struggling with depression and anxiety and worry. Jesus, I just pray that you would minister to each and every person and they'd hear just whatever they need to hear. In your name we pray, amen. Jesus was the single greatest person to ever live, and there was so much around him that we're going to dive in today and just see that Jesus was compelling. Jesus was compelling. Uh, go ahead and go to the next slide, Josh. Um, Looks like I'm not working tonight, so that's all good. You'll have to be my, my man. Right, Jesus was compelling. He drew people towards him. Uh, and let's, let's read that next scripture. So the chief priests and the Pharisees greeted the council and said, What are we to do? For this man performs many signs. If we let him go on like this, everyone will believe in him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. What happened was Jesus was doing all these amazing signs and wonders. He was feeding the hungry. He was bringing sight to the blind. He was raising the lame man up so he could walk once again. And, and more and more people were starting to follow him. And the religious people were worried about what would happen because Jesus was compelling. And they were worried that people were going to gather around him. And actually their worries weren't completely unfounded. See, they were living under the Roman Empire. And not much longer after Jesus died and rose again, the might of the imperial army came in and destroyed their city and laid waste to their temple and slaughtered thousands and thousands of people. But the religious leaders were afraid of that. And they were worried of what's going to happen if, if everyone follows Jesus. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor do you understand that it is better for you that one man should die for the people, not that the whole nation should perish. He did not say this of his own accord, but being high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation, and not for the nation only, but also to gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. See, Jesus was doing these amazing, amazing miracles. And not only that, we saw earlier in the Gospel of John that Jesus was claiming that he and the Father, that he and God were one. That he was Yahweh, this, the, the God of the, of the old covenant who led the Israelites out of slavery and bondage. He was the pillar of fire. This was a blasphemous statement. And because of this, they wanted to kill him. I think sometimes people think Jesus is just kind of, you know, uh, Mr. Rogers skipping through the fields. But Jesus was very provocative. Jesus 
was compelling, yes, but he upset the status quo. Religious people didn't know how to handle Jesus, and because of that, they murdered him. You know, someone who doesn't rock the boat ever doesn't get murdered, but they killed him. And from that day on, they made plans to put him to death. Jesus was also confounding. He was compelling, but he was also very confounding. People didn't know what to do with Jesus. They had differing ideas and opinions. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. This is what's known as Palm Sunday, the Sunday before Easter. And a lot of times in churches, we did it this year, we'll have palm branches or whatever, and it's remembering what people did. And again, oftentimes we think of this as just a very nice safe story with kids waving palm branches, but this was highly provocative. This is them saying that he is really their future king, that he is going to liberate them from uh, slavery and bondage. And it's really fascinating because during this time of the Passover, Jewish people would flood into Jerusalem, and Jesus entered from one direction, and oftentimes Herod, their king, would enter from the other direction. And Herod would, would, wear, would, would ride on his, because uh, he'd come from the sea where he, he lived most of his time on the palace. And he had this great pool that anyone who didn't like, he would drown them in this pool. And just he'd say, oh, it's an accident. They just drowned by accident. But any of his political opponents, he just took them out that way. But he would enter in with his army riding from one direction on a stallion to show that he was in charge. And on the opposite direction, here we have Jesus and Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. We have Herod the king on one direction, coming in, riding on a war stallion with soldiers to make sure that people didn't rebel against Rome. And then Jesus, from the other direction, he rides in, not on a war stallion, but on a donkey, on a young colt. And Jesus is confounding because you would think this man who has captured the hearts of the people, who has done these great signs, who has claimed to be the son of man, this ancient figure from da Daniel, who has now come to bring freedom and liberation. In fact, the, the stone that, that wasn't formed by any hands, but is going to smash the statue, all the idols of the world and the false empires. You would think he would ride in on a stallion, on a horse, but Jesus doesn't do what we think, and instead he rides in on a young donkey. Jesus was confounding to even his disciples. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. I was thinking about... Palm Sunday this week, and, and I've never fully understood this, because we know Jesus is going to come and die on the cross, but we know that's not the end of the story. We know Jesus is going to rise again and appear to his disciples. If I was writing this screenplay uh, for a, you know, miniseries, I would, I, I, you know, I'd be like, okay, these are out of order, Right? Like, shouldn't the big celebration happen after Easter? Shouldn't that be the big victory march? 
Jesus had to fulfill prophecy, but I also think this was Jesus' way of having the kind of the pre-celebration celebration. See, Jesus was confident. He knew what was going to happen. He knew it wasn't going to be easy. But he knew those powers of darkness, their time was limited. He was going to defeat them. How many of you are football fans? I, I, I got to admit, I didn't watch football until I turned 30 and became a dad and lived in Wisconsin. Then became a big football fan, and Kristen will say I'm a too big of a football fan. That's not true at all. Don't listen to her. I've never even done fantasy football, okay? So I can't be that big of a football fan. Uh, I do love football, though. And uh, if, if you've been following football at all in the last 20 years, who is possibly the greatest quarterback of all time, at least in the last 20 years? Shout him out. Tom Brady. Yes, I heard that. Yes. Russell Wilson, top five maybe the last 20 years, but not quite yet there yet. Tom Brady, if you follow football at all, he won six championships with the New England Patriots. That is absolutely crazy. Uh, he has more championships than two-thirds of the football teams have in their entire history. Like, that's nuts. If you've been following football at all, you know there's another young quarterback, not Russell Wilson, sadly, that he's kind of the new young hotshot. He, he won a Super Bowl in his second season, actually, like Russell Wilson, plays for Kansas City. Does anybody know his name? Patrick Mahomes, yes. He likes ketchup on his steak, which is really weird. Um, we won't hold that against them. He's a phenomenal quarterback. If you follow football this last year, everyone felt like it was a foregone conclusion that, that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are just going to roll in and they're going to win another championship. They're just too good. Patrick Mahomes is this amazing talent with a, 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 a great uh, cast around him and his offensive-minded coach. And it just seemed like a foregone conclusion. They'd won the year before. They're just going to do it again. And so you have kind of the young, new prototype quarterback. And this last Super Bowl went up against kind of the old man, Tom Brady. And, it, and most people thought, ah, they probably don't have much of a chance. Tom Brady's kind of the old way, and Patrick Mahomes is kind of the new way. But something... Tom Brady did, I love this, that when they won the NFC Championship, uh, which now he has as many NFC Championships as um, Aaron Rodgers, which is pretty great, uh, and Drew Brees and many others, um, even one year in the NFC. But as he won that, he, some players were crying for the Super Bowl, and he's like, stop your crying. We haven't won anything yet. I love that attitude. But that whole week before the Super Bowl, he was texting his players every night, all throughout the night and day. Hey, hey, tight end, don't forget about this. You know, watch out when they do this, and defensive line. And he's texting players constantly, just reminding them. He's coaching them up because he's seen it all. He's done it all. He knows what it takes to win a championship. And the night before the Super Bowl, he texts all 52 other players and says, we will win tomorrow. There's no doubt in my mind, we will win tomorrow. And if you know what happened, they did. Old man Brady had another one in him, and he won his seventh championship. And I think that attitude, that he knew the outcome. He knew what it took to win a championship. And he led his team with a bunch of players that you would, a lot of people have like given up on, to a championship. In the same way, I think Jesus, he celebrated because he knew what was going to happen, and he had no doubts in his mind. He knew it wasn't going to be easy. It was going to take everything he had. But he knew the powers of sin and darkness, their time was limited. That he was going to defeat them on the cross. And so 
Jesus, what he did is he clarified again and again, this is why I have come. Tom Brady, again, I came to win a championship. Not an NFC championship, but a world championship. This is why I've come. And actually, I'm not a Bucks fan, I'm not a Tom Brady fan, but this year, the very first team ever in the history of the NFL, they are bringing back all 22 of their starters uh, on a Super Bowl winning team and all their coaches. It's pretty amazing, it's never happened before. So we'll see if they can do it again, I don't know. But Jesus, he clarified again and again why he came. And Jesus answered them, the hour has come for the Son of Man, that was his favorite title for himself, to be glorified. Truly, truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Now is my soul troubled. He knew this isn't going to be easy. This is going to be the hardest thing he's ever done. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. He knew what was going to happen. He knew he had the victory. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, both on the cross and then raised up out of the grave, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is this Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light. Remember Jesus said, I am the light of the world not much before this, that you may become sons of light. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I've spoken will judge him on the last day. And then we read this on Sunday. Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then going back, uh, Josh read this a few weeks ago. Yeah, no, that's good, Josh, sorry. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. We have a choice to believe in Jesus and the Son of God and to put our faith and trust in him. And Jesus says, whoever believes in him will be saved. He says, I didn't come to condemn, but if you choose not to walk in the way of light, if you choose not to walk in the way of Jesus... You are choosing condemnation for yourself. You are saying, Jesus, I want nothing to do with you. I want to be the ruler of my own life. And when we do that, we stand condemned because we are rejecting Jesus. Just this week, we've been reading uh, some 
of this Jesus storybook to our kids and, and trying to just remind them what this is all about. It, it's hard because, man, they just want to open up the Easter egg um, bunny, you know, whatever they're called, uh, eggs and get candy and stuff, and they love it. You know, but we're trying to remind them, you know, what this is all about. And so we're reading this, and, and I, I thought I'd, I wanted to read a little bit of this before we head into communion tonight. So you're king, are you? The Roman soldiers jeered. Then you'll need a crown and a robe. They gave Jesus a crown made out of thorns and put a purple robe on him and pretended to bow down to him. Your majesty, they said. Then they whipped him and spat on him. They didn't understand that this was the prince of life, the king of heaven and earth who had come to rescue them. The soldiers made a sign, our king, and nailed it to a wooden cross. They walked up a hill outside the city. Jesus carried the cross on his back. Jesus had never done anything wrong, but they're going to kill him the way criminals were killed. And they nailed Jesus to the cross. Father, forgive them, Jesus gasped. They don't understand what they're doing. But you say you've come to rescue us, (coughs) people shouted. But you can't even rescue yourself. But they were wrong. Jesus could have rescued himself. A legion of angels could have flown to his side if he'd called. That's like a whole army of angels. If you really were the son of God, you could just climb down off that cross, they said. And of course they were right. Jesus could have just climbed down. Actually, he could have just said a word and made it all stop. Like when he healed that little girl and stilled the storm and fed 5,000 people, but Jesus stayed. You see, they didn't understand. It wasn't the nails that kept Jesus there. It was love. Papa? Jesus cried, frantically searching the sky. Papa, where are you? Don't leave me. And for the first time, and the last, when he spoke, nothing happened. Just a horrible, endless silence. God didn't answer. He turned away from his boy. Tears rolled down Jesus' face. The face of the one who'd wipe away every tear from every eye. Even though it was midday, a dreadful darkness covered the face of the world. The sun could not shine, the earth trembled and quaked, the great mountains shook, rocks split in two until it seemed the whole world would break, that creation itself would tear apart. The full force of the storm of God's fierce anger at sin was coming down on his own son instead of on his people. It was the only way God could destroy sin and not destroy his children whose hearts were filled with sin. Then Jesus shouted out in a loud voice, It is finished. And it was. He had done it. Jesus had rescued the whole world. Father, Jesus cried, I give you my life. And with a great sigh, he let himself die. Strange clouds and shadows filled the sky, purple, orange, and black like a bruise. Jesus' friends gently carried Jesus. They laid Jesus in a new tomb carved out of rock. How could Jesus die? What had gone wrong? What did it mean? They didn't know anything anymore, except they did know their hearts were breaking. That's the end of Jesus, the leader said. But just to be sure, they sent strong soldiers to guard the tomb. They hauled a huge stone in front of the door of the tomb so that no one could get in or out. I love how Bob Goff puts it, is that in that moment when everything went dark and the evil thought they had won, but heaven just started to count down to three. 
See, the victory was won in that moment. And Jesus was going to burst alive from the grave in just three days. I want the band to come on up. We're going to receive communion. As I've been reflecting on just this Easter, it's, it's been a weird year for all of us. A strange Easter. You know, last Easter, the pandemic was new, and, and we were all separate. And now some of us are online, some of us are in person. It's, it's just a strange time. But as I've been reflecting just on, on the cross and Silent Saturday and Easter, it is a reminder that this Sabbath principle of rest is, you know, comes again and again, and, and even Jesus took time to rest between the cross and the resurrection. And that's really built into the fabric of the universe that God created, that we used to take time to rest and to trust in him. His followers, his disciples, they couldn't do anything during that time. All they had to do was simply just wait. Right now, maybe there's something going on in your life. Maybe you are waiting on something and you've been striving and you've been trying Maybe you're grieving. I don't know. But in between now and Easter, let this be a reminder that it's okay to just be. That Jesus' closest friends, they grieved, they cried. They couldn't do anything. They could just be. And so in the next day or two, just take some time to just be to trust that God has a plan and he's just starting to count down backwards from, from three. God sees you in the pain and the hurt. And because of Jesus, it means that death and the worst thing is no longer ever the last word. But there's always a resurrection coming. As much as it hurts on Friday, Sunday is coming. With that bringing healing and hope and forgiveness. As Ethan passes out the elements of communion, it's open to anyone who wants to receive it. We just ask that you would remember what this is about. About Jesus' death on the cross for our sins. That his body truly was broken. He really died. He was buried in a tomb. His blood was shed for us. And three days later, he rose again. He appeared to more than 500 people after he rose again. And then his friends wrote down his story about 30 years after. And those first century followers were willing to die for what they wrote down, for what they preached. We can put our trust that this is real. This is true. That all the stories, they really happened. Jesus' friends were so worried about the Roman Empire and what was going to happen before he died. And then after he rose again, they were filled with his spirit and they were willing to face persecution and hunger and loss and to even die for this message. And most of them did because they knew Jesus doesn't just bring resurrection, that he is the resurrection and the life. And so if you've not made that decision to put your faith and trust in him, Jesus invites anyone and everyone to become a son, a daughter of the light, to have all your sins and shame wiped away, to be adopted into his family, into his community. 
You just need to simply pray, Jesus, I give you my life. And that can just be the start of a conversation you have with God. I'd love to meet with you, uh, Ethan, uh, Josh, any one of us, just to talk and just say, hey, we want to help you take those next steps. But as we receive communion, again, I just hope that this can be just a reminder that Jesus' love went so far for us that it went to the cross. And he died for us. But then he rose again. Let's pray, then we'll receive communion, and then we'll sing this last song together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the cross. It brings me so much comfort to know that you left all your rights and privileges in heaven. You came to earth and you knew hunger and you knew thirst and loss and betrayal. You are able to be our high priest and to understand what we're going through and to walk beside us in the confusion and the doubt and the uncertainty and the hurt and the pain. You also bring healing and hope and light and truth. So Jesus, I just pray. Those in this room who may feel held back by fundamentalism or shame, that they'd just find forgiveness in you. That those who are grieving would find hope. Those who may not know you, they'd choose to walk in your way and to trust you know that you really did die and you really did rise again. And that means the worst thing is never the last thing. So Jesus has a community. We just put our hope and trust in you. And As we rest, as we wait for Easter, I just pray that you would renew our hearts and our souls and just bring healing. We would come to you not at a place of striving, but just at a place of knowing we are your sons and daughters full and complete acceptance and love. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's uh, receive communion uh, on your own time at whatever you want.